You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to The Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. It's Thursday. That means it's time to enter the Thursday Thunderdome. On today's show, our special guests will compete alongside my co-host, my companion, professional sports better, Simon Hunter, in an epic test of wagers and wits that's made this show the only Back-to-back Oscar-nominated sports betting trivia podcast in history. Simon, if you were to thank me in the Oscar speech when we win for something, what would you say? I actually wrote my Oscar speech when I was like 12 years old. And I think still to this day, it's genius. It goes like, I want to thank my legs for holding me up, my arms for always being by my side. But it was genius for a 12-year-old. I want to thank Chad for putting me in a position to, to succeed, loving me unconditionally, accepting me. Yeah, oh, I would let you write it, apparently. Well, it's probably a good idea. <laughs> Simon, speaking of writing, your first challenger is an expert in the art and science of human decision making. A return guest here on The Favorites, my favorite guest from last summer. She's a psychology PhD, a poker champion, the author of two best-selling books, including The Biggest Bluff. Welcome back to the show, Maria Konnikova. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me how life has been since you revealed yourself to be one of the best poker players on earth. Can't stop the challenges from the other best poker players in the world who are like, you know, I'm the best in the universe. And then obviously I have to say, no, I am. Um, And then we get into it and it, it gets messy. It does get ugly, especially during COVID. I've heard that. Yeah, for sure. I've heard on the street in the poker chat rooms that you are getting nasty on a lot of people because they're all coming after you. That's absolutely. I mean, that that's my that's my day to day these days. You know, no time for writing, no time for anything. Basically, all I do is talk shit online. Well, you know, you got to make a living. Uh, Simon, your second challenger is Action Network producer, Emmy winner, our company's YouTube czar. The Arizona native comes to us from The Late Late Show with James Corden and is famous for being one of the only legitimate, long-suffering Phoenix Suns fans anybody here knows. Welcome to the Thunderdome, Suns jersey clad, Ryan McKee. It is an honor to be here. And since I have you... What is Action Network's policy on advances to pay off bookies? Because the Suns... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lost last night, and uh, it was a rough night for me. Let's just say that. I'm lucky I'm here. We do not promote illegal wagering of any kind here, Ryan. So whatever you're doing okay. on your own time, you'll have to manage on your own. We will not be a party to it. Ryan, Here's... you and I can talk after. Exactly. This isn't being recorded, right? Okay. Don't worry. Nobody listens anyways. Okay. Here's okay. how this game is played. Today, you'll answer two kinds of questions. First, traditional 
trivia questions about sports, sports betting, and the world at large. Second, completely subjective and totally asinine open-ended questions or prompts that I alone will judge. Impress me, people. To accumulate points, you must answer the trivia questions correctly and also convince me that your responses to those open-ended prompts are better than the responses from your opponents. Let's begin. Part one, poker stars. Our special guest, Maria Konnikova, is famously an expert and celebrity in the universe of poker, a game long beloved by athletes across the world. As a tribute to this gambling mainstay and its famous enthusiasts, I will now ask each of you two questions, one about a poker term and another about a famous athlete poker player. Maria, Gerard <laughs> Piquet is one of the most famous soccer players in Spanish history and the winner of both a Euro and World Cup. He's also famous off the pitch for two other reasons. First, as a poker player with over $700,000 in tournament winnings. And second, for being the longtime romantic partner of this Colombian one-name pop star whose song, <laughs> whose song, whatever, wherever, was an international number one hit in 2001. Shakira. Was it the way I sung it? That gave it was, it was, but, but you need to swing the hips too. Cause remember your hips don't lie. The, <laughs> it's true. And by the way, I'm in a swivel chair. I'm not sure if you guys can see that. So I was doing that uh, at the same time when I sang. Yeah. And bit of trivia for you. I actually played with him at EPT Barcelona the last time it was held, which was at this point, I think three years ago. And how did you do? Oh, he ended up final tabling the event I played with him and he, he crushed everyone's soul. He did really. Was he a trash talker in any way? No, he was very nice. Who would you say in your experience has been the biggest trash talker at the poker table? What is the meanest thing someone has said to you at the poker table? Oh, I mean, I've been called everything under the sun at the poker table, including a c um, I've been propositioned at the poker table. I've actually been offered money and tournament buy-ins. So someone told me that it was okay if I bust because they'd be willing to pay for me to re-enter if I were to accompany them to their hotel room. So, so it can get nasty. And do you feel like <laughs> do you feel like when someone is doing that, are they doing that because they want to get in your head as opposed to your bed? Or do they are they doing it because like they're serious and think that you're going to fall for something like that? Well, in that particular case, I actually think that the person in question was serious, as I later learned. Um, so he was Chinese. And apparently in Macau, in the gambling culture, it's not uncommon for that to be an actual arrangement between female and male poker players. I did not realize that. But um, so I'm assuming that he actually meant it. Wow. Poker is a nasty business. Here is your <laughs> poker term question. <laughs> Uh, also a defensive technique in the game of basketball. This term refers to slow or passive play to lure an opponent into larger or more aggressive bets. What is the name of this term? Checking is what I would say. Ding, ding, ding. Maria, you get the point. Simon, also a well-known American Olympian, this athlete is something of a poker obsessive regularly playing in World Series of Poker events. He was even seen playing poker shortly before his 2016 Olympic semifinal 
in the 200 meter butterfly? I'm hoping Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. And my favorite thing was, Chad, you got to see the underbelly of the poker world and you couldn't even handle it for one minute. She barely she barely even dipped into it. And you were just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You don't want to know the real <laughs> the real gambling world. Chad just likes the the happy stuff. He doesn't like to know the underseed belly that most of the gambling world is just creepy dudes. Weird, weird yeah. dudes. That's what a lot of gamblers are. Yeah. By but there's the way, a lot of happy stuff, too. Yeah. Number one, I co-host a podcast with a weird, creepy dude. I know all about <laughs> the underbelly of gambling. Number two, I am sorry that I look for optimism, that I look for positivity, that I look for triumph, okay? I'm not looking for negativity. That's not my bag, man. Here's your poker question, Simon. Also something NBA players are accused of. This term refers to the first three community cards shown in a game of Texas Hold'em. Flop. It is known as the flop. Ryan, most people point to this man as the best-known star athlete, poker enthusiast in America, despite a professional baseball career batting average of 202. Who is this man? So I should say that I know nothing about poker. Since Maria already name-dropped that she played poker against Shakira's husband, I was once in a commercial with Phil Locke, a.k.a. the Unabomber, and he is married to an equally famous person, Jennifer Tilly. So before I get this question wrong, can I get a point for that? <laughs> I am automatically deducting a point for you <laughs> putting Jennifer Tilly in the same what universe. As Have Shakira. you never seen Bride of Chucky? She was amazing in that movie. He's taping a sequel right now. There you go. Give me the goddamn <laughs> answer. Stop your vamping. I don't know. Uh, Randy Johnson. Dude, dude, Michael Jordan. Here's another thing about me. I get really overwhelmed in these situations and I'm not good at thinking on my feet. All the words you said got mixed around in my head. So I am very sorry. I'll, I'll try to rally here. All right. Well, let's see if you can rally on this one. If you get this right, I will give you two points so you can get back to zero. Okay. Thank you. Here is your poker term question, Ryan. Also the word used for an often infuriating late cover of a gambling spread. This poker term refers to a draw that catches two consecutive cards to complete a straight or a flush. Backdoor. There you go. We are putting you back at zero. Congratulations. I wish my bank account was back at zero. All right, here's the prompt. Poker is best when the stakes are high. If you had to bet your life, in a game of poker against one current or former pro sports figure, who would you choose and why? Simon, you're up first. Oh, Chad, you know, I'm always playing the angles. So I did some research into this because I love history. The greatest wrestler in American history, Abraham Lincoln. You had 300 matches. You only lost one time out of 300 matches. The man can't tell a lie. I would love to play poker with a man that cannot tell a lie. I'll just ask him straight up what he has. If he made that hand, if he needed that six, it'll be too easy. So for me, Abraham Lincoln would be the player I want to play against. I'm pretty sure it was George Washington who could not tell a lie. Honest Abe. Oh, Chad, get the hell out of this room right now. That's true. But can I just interrupt both of you and say that if you actually believe that a politician says, I will never tell a lie, and that is the truth, then I've got a bridge to sell you. 
(laughs) Well, you know what? Let's see how Smarty Maria does when it's her turn. I'm going to give you some credit because you forgot his nickname was Honest Dave. Because I forgot his nickname was Honest Dave. I like the idea that you're going to use his strength against him in a brutal game of poker. Ryan, how are you feeling? Yes, this one was really easy for me because I would want to go against the person who's been the bane of my existence in 2004, and that is Suns owner Robert Sarver, a.k.a. Janky James Dolan. Nobody knows who he is, but he is the worst. Everybody looks at James Dolan as the worst owner. No, it's Robert Sarver. He's not even a billionaire. He's an owner who's not even a billionaire. He's like a $400 million or something like that. Like Maria probably has a bigger stake than he does. I would go against him and I would see myself as Han Solo playing against Lando Carissian for the Millennium Falcon. Famous scene in uh, that movie. And I'm like doing it for the greater good of the Suns fans. So I'm the hero in this. So I would definitely have to win. And I would just like Han Solo said that he was staking a spaceship that he did not have for the Millennium Falcon. I would say because Sarber's gotten into buying soccer teams overseas, I would say, oh, I'm the owner of the Mykonos Mystics, which is not a team, but he probably doesn't know that. And I would sell it like, hey, this is wonderful Greek island. Awesome soccer team. I'll stake mine against the Suns. I would win. Tom Chambers would be next to me like uh, Chewbacca and he would cheer and the rest would be history. Here's here's what I love about this question. If you're betting your life, I think the assumption is that if you win, the other person has to die. So Simon has killed Abe Lincoln in order to win his bet. For good Uh, reason. Ryan, you're killing Robert Sarver. And you think you're going to do it by convincing him that Mykonos has a soccer team that he wants to invest in, which is a little bit like us buying the bridge for Maria. Maria, can you please, please beat both of these answers? (laughs) Sure. In order to win my match, I'm killing Hulk Hogan. You win. I'm already in. It doesn't doesn't (laughs) matter. Say what you want to say, but I'm so on this game. So let's hear it. So, you know, if we're if we're betting our lives here, we need someone who is going to be an opponent who is very winnable, right? Someone we can beat. Hulk Hogan embodies every characteristic you don't want to see in a poker player. He is prone to rage. He is incredibly emotional. He loses his shit, especially against women. And I'm female, so I want someone like that. And I'm a journalist and he loves to sue the media. As we know, he hates journalism. So I'll be like, oh, you know, you sued Gawker. I'm from the New Yorker. Like, how about that? Let's let's talk journalism. You know, that testosterone, the roid rage. I'm liking my chances against that guy. And you know what? It's going to feel really, really good to beat him. A hundred percent with you. If for no other reason, then I've had to replace my gawker habit with a TikTok habit. Also, I don't want Abe Lincoln dead. And I don't care enough about Robert Sarver to want him dead. Whereas this, I feel like there's a tangible benefit to society. Maria, you win the prompt. I brought my A game. I really prepared for this. Here's part two. Athlete authors. Like me, our guest, Maria Konnikova, is a best-selling author. Although I am obligated to note that she has not written quite as many bestsellers as yours truly. In this section, we'll talk about some other bestselling authors, specifically famous athletes who tried their hand at the publishing game. Simon, Before his tragic passing in early 2020, Kobe Bryant authored a 2018 book called The Blank Mentality. Mamba. 
Mamba is correct. Maria, the 2019 bestseller Play Hungry, The Making of a Baseball Player, was written by this baseball hit king, famously banned from Major League Baseball for gambling. Whoa, I have no idea. Mark McGuire. Pete Rose, you are so far ahead right now. I don't think you have too much to worry about. Ryan, (laughs) when NFL offensive lineman Michael Orr authored his best-selling autobiography, I Beat the Odds, in 2012, he finally told firsthand his inspirational story, which famously served as the plot of this 2009 football film. The Blind Side. The Blind Side. Here's the prompt. For decades now, famous athletes have told their own stories through written or ghost-written books, but too many of these are just extended puff pieces. But imagine you can force any figure in the sports world into writing a juicy, 100% true tell-all memoir. Who would you choose and why? Ryan, you go first. Well, I hate to be so on brand as to pick another Arizona-themed answer, but I'm sorry, I had to do this. I would pick Larry Fitzgerald, the man that everybody in the NFL across the board seems to love. My brother was a valet at the Ritz-Carlton in Phoenix, where a lot of famous athletes would hang out. He said that Larry always had a huge smile on his face, always tipped very well, seemed to be friends with everybody in all kinds of sports. But I feel like he's got to have a dark side, right? Like Larry Fitzgerald would be called something like live, laugh and lie. What lies beyond the smile? And we learn Fitzgerald's other side. Fucking terrible answer. (laughs) If you're going to choose Arizona, think about the things Charles Barkley didn't write in his book. And you go with the most milk toast athlete in a you world know, in which in a you world don't know he's milk toast. There has on. to be a dark side. There in has a world to be a dark in which side. it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible today to get away with anything. The, if you are a professional athlete, if you are a famous athlete, if you are as high profile as Larry Fitzgerald, there's no way there's something dark and sinister to uncover. Arizona is the southwestern Florida equivalent. There's some shady stuff that happens there. He's friends with John. He was friends with John McCain before his type his passing. He's friends with Robert Sarver. He's friends with all of the most powerful people. I think they cover up for him. It's going to be huge. It's going to break. By everything. the way, your guilt by association logic means that, like, there's a great tell all about me because I'm friends with Simon. I don't see the equivalent at all there. I'm beloved and I like practically own Central Connecticut. Maria, give us your answer. All right. Well, I'm going to go in a totally different direction um, with a non-American athlete. So this is this is a little out of left field answer, but I'm feeling good about it. So I'm choosing a female athlete who is still alive, but hasn't been active for a long time um, from Romania, Nadia Comaneci, who was the mm. first gymnast to ever be awarded a perfect 10 at the Olympics in the 70s, I think 76, she was 14 years old. And she always had this, you know, lovely smile, wonderful story, great coach. And she started gymnastics, the kind of the boom that we're seeing now. But the reason I want her to tell her story is there was some fucked up shit going on behind the Iron Curtain and they've really abused their athletes. The standards that were set, just horrific training, 
the doping stuff that we're seeing today started in Russia and all the former Soviet Union. I'm assuming Romania. I'm assuming there's so much we don't know that created this glamorous world that we see today that I'd really love her to just be 100% honest and tell us all about that culture and what was happening in Olympic training behind the curtain. Lift the veil on these standards that we're seeing today. I mean, that's such a better answer than Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> what uh, can I bet on Maria to win this point? Like, can I, what kind of odds do I get <laughs> against Simon versus Maria at this point? By the way, by the way, you guys should Google videos of her. Like to this day, you know how athletes get better and better over time, and like the gymnasts, the, the stuff that Simone Biles is doing today is like holy shit. People in the seventies didn't even know it was possible. But just look at her performing her routines and it's just breathtakingly beautiful. Look, I was five years old in 1976. Don't remember much about the Olympics, but do remember her being this international superstar. And it was impossible to be a sports fan of any kind and not sort of understand who she was. And then like any gymnast, like a lot of people in the Olympics, they sort of disappear after that. And yeah. I think your story idea, your, your idea for a tell-all is brilliant. I don't even know why you haven't started trying to figure out how to get her to do that with you. <laughs> we'll take 10%. That's totally cool. Simon, give me your I'm answer, feeling pretty Simon. confident now because I know Ryan's a terrible gambler. So the fact that he wanted to bet on her, it's making me feel really Shit. positive. That I'm <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Uh, Tom Brady. This is 100% tell all. The most important athlete in American history. Seven championships in football, Chad. I, we're never going to see that again the rest of our lives. Seven Super Bowls for one quarterback. It's unheard of. I need to know how much cheating went on in New England. And this guy has to be 100% true. Please let the smear campaign begin. I'm ready to tear it all down because we all hate New England. I just want to know everything about Brady. I, wanna, I want the true tell-all book. I know ESPN's doing like a 10-piece series. It's going to be all BS. It's going to be directed and written by Tom Brady. I want a real tell-all about Tom Brady's life. All right. So I think that is an amazingly good idea. There is so much to still unpack. Here's a free plug for a different book, which is my close friend, Seth Wickersham from ESPN has a book coming out in the fall. Everyone should go pre-order it on Amazon. It's called It's Better to Be Feared. Anyone who knows Seth and his work, um, he has been digging into the power structure of the NFL and the power players in the NFL for the past six or seven years and has written some of the biggest stories at ESPN about what it is like to be existing in this world of power that is that is sort of the highest levels of the NFL. Obviously, he was core to writing a story about the Patriots a few years ago, right when it was all falling apart. He was right about all of it. He dug deep into Spygate. He was spot on about all that. He has a huge, huge book coming out, which I've read about the Patriots dynasty, the 20 years of the dynasty goes deep into all that. It is one of the best sports books I've ever read. And it is so smart about framing Brady. It has so much inside info about Brady and Belichick and what went on behind the scenes. It's an amazing book. I highly recommend everyone read it. If Tom Brady <laughs> could truly do a 100% behind the scenes tell all about everything in his life, because it wouldn't only be about on the field stuff, which would be amazing, but it would also be off the field stuff because he's lived such a glamorous life. I got to give it to Simon. The Nadia Comaneci story. Ryan, Ryan, you jinxed me. Yeah, he totally jinxed you. <laughs> Look, I am so sorry. I will never bet on you again. The, <laughs> My bad. The, the commercial value, which I think is important if you want to sell a book on Tom Brady 
would be massive if he truly is you money grubber chad <laughs> listen, listen i'm with you maria i think he is wrong i'm i'm a, am i getting extra points for trash talking you now because by the, way, by the way if you think i'm anything other than a mercenary i gave up capital j journalism career at espn to go start to go help launch a startup about sports betting I am going to go for the money at this stage <laughs> in my life. And uh, are you going to I, give us something about how you bet on yourself and it worked out? Uh, <laughs> uh, it's going to be like a Ryan, that's little, a good one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's take a point away from Ryan. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. I want to read Tom Brady. If yeah. I write the Nadia story, more people will buy that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, that's interesting. Wow. Okay. You know what? I want to win. I'm giving you a point right now. My competitive instincts have been. (laughs) Here is the current score going into round three. Ryan two, Maria three, Simon Hunter four. Don't worry, Maria. Simon Hunter always loses in the end. Part three, all about the Ivy. Our guest, Maria Konnikova, is about as Ivy League as it gets with an undergraduate degree from Harvard and a PhD from Columbia. In honor of her academic accomplishments, let's quickly look at great moments in Ivy League sports History, Ryan, the first ESPN college game day broadcast from a NCAA Division I-AA game was back in 2002 for the Harvard Penn game. The Quakers went on to beat the Harvard Crimson, who may have fared better if they'd started this backup QB, who's currently enjoying his 17th NFL season. Mr. Ryan Fitzmagic. Fitz magic. Fitz magic. magic. Very good. Maria, during the 2011-2012 NBA season, your fellow Harvard alum, Jeremy Lin, sparked a cultural phenomenon known as Linsanity as a member of this NBA team. Um, the Knicks. Simon, the first time a three-point line was introduced into an official game of basketball was during a 1945 college game between Fordham and this Ivy League program located in the Morningside Heights neighborhood of Manhattan. Mm. St. John's? Columbia University. Damn it. How do we go through an entire poker-related podcast with a section called Ivy League and not prompt me to tell the story about when I lost Phil Ivy $750,000 playing craps? I don't understand how that happens. Tell yeah. the story. Well, Maria, I'm oh, glad no. you asked. Why would you say that to this man? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. So, you know, about two, I think it was 2009 or 2010, you know, as you know, I'm a prominent, you know, bold face name in the gambling industry and in the coverage of the gambling industry. And I got a call from Phil Ivy's manager who said, Phil is doing a 72 hour around the world uh, gambling extravaganza ending in Austria for, at the time, it was a full tilt promotional poker event. Uh, He's going to be on his private plane. He's starting in Connecticut at Mohegan Sun, uh, then going to Montreal. Would you like to join him for the gambling event, do a story about Phil Ivey, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? I said, for sure. I met Phil at Mohegan Sun. He had his own private room, his own private cage. He won 150 grand playing craps in the first 30 minutes he was there. 
He stopped. We all went to have dinner. We took the plane to Montreal, woke up the next morning, were picked up in a limo, went to the private room at the casino in Montreal, had an entire buffet set up just for Phil and his guests, had a private room with a craps table that had his name in a gold plate that was screwed into the table. He took out a million dollars from the cage. He's gambling. He's winning. He looks at me. He says, you want to roll? I say, sure, I roll, I fill the whole table, I don't crap out, I don't win him any money. The next roll is for all the money, yay or nay, I lose all the money. $750,000 is on the table. Uh, Phil looks at me, you can appreciate this, having been at a poker table with some of the most uh, intimidating people in the world, and Phil is one of them. He looks at me dead-eyed and just says, you're fucking mush. And I have never felt more empty in my entire life because I was already so intimidated by the guy, the most frightening subject I've ever interviewed, brilliant guy, and I felt really bad. He ended up winning all the money back and then some, and we hopped back on the plane and flew to Amsterdam. Uh, And then we went to Austria. It was a great trip, amazing trip. That's Ivy League when you're talking about poker. Chad Millman is proud of himself. Here's the prompt. Ivy League schools are famously steeped in long and bizarre traditions, particularly when it comes to their sports and rivalries. Please invent a college sports tradition and apply it to an Ivy League program. I will choose the best combination of preposterous but believable. For example, all seniors on the Dartmouth men's heavyweight rowing team must sport waxed handlebar mustaches in honor of their first captain, who was a casualty of the ragamuffin war of Southern Brazil in the early 1840s. So give me a preposterous but believable tradition for an Ivy League school. Ryan, are you with us? Uh, I'm happy to go first yet again so so that I can bet on Simon. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> don't do it, please. Can I ask a, a real quick follow up question to your story, though? Did you pay back that 750K when Better Collective bought Action Network? <laughs> uh, you know what? I haven't. And if Phil is willing to come on the podcast, uh, which I've requested several times since through his uh, management, I'm more than happy to have a conversation about it. I will say one of the things that I love about gamblers is um, also he won it all back and it was his money. Number one. Number two. Uh, what I love about gamblers is there is a code. Maria can certainly attest to this. She knows it much better than I do. No matter what the situation, real gamblers will pay back any debt to anyone at any time if it is owed. And they also always pick up the check, but they will always pay the debt. So there is a story where I've never been able to ask Phil this story, but he allegedly owed someone money. That person died before he was able to pay them back. And he ended up paying back that person's widow. And it, if it's Phil Ivy, it's not an insignificant, insignificant amount of money. But I don't think I owe him $750,000. Well, okay. That's fair. I did some research on this. And I've always been, uh, I've always had a like spot in my heart for Dartmouth College because I didn't learn that Dartmouth College existed until I was like 21 years old. Maybe it's from, I'm from a small town in Arizona, but I met a, a young woman and she was going there and I said, uh, 
is that a good score? She's like, well, it's Ivy League. I'm like, I felt like such an idiot. So I went with Dartmouth first and I started researching. And because it's by the Appalachian Trail in New Hampshire and Chad, you probably know that this is your area. They have a huge, the, the oldest outing club, which is a hiking and outdoors person club. And uh, but one thing they don't uh, people don't know a lot about is that there's like some weird traditions within that outing club called aping. Have you heard of this, Chad? No. OK, so aping is where they go and they mess with hikers on the Appalachian Trail to get higher standings in the outer club. So it's kind of like with uh, Blair Witch Project, they go out and mess, mess with people. They wrap people up in like their sleeping bags and move them. And like the higher they go, puts them in higher standing in the club. So that's the background. Actually, that is my answer. Did I trick you? I, that doesn't really exist. I, oh my God, you made that up? I just made that up. That was fucking good, Ryan. <laughs> there is wow. the outing club, but there's not aping. That's not a tradition. Ryan redemption time. I like it. I like it a lot. Maria, Ryan did all right on that one. He you know did. I mean? Good he job, did. Ryan. Yeah, you're up. So I'm using, I'm cheating a little bit because I went to Harvard as an undergrad. So I'm using my knowledge of our deep undergraduate traditions in this answer. And I also grew up in the Boston area, right next to Concord, right? Old revolutionary America. We studied the revolution, all of the intricacies. You know, I know the first person who died during the revolution. So what people might not know about Paul Revere's famous ride is that his horse actually tripped at one point during the ride because there was a chicken in the road. And so he actually had to get a new horse to finish his ride because of this fucking chicken. So anyway, this is something that is taught in Massachusetts schools that is not really taught in U.S. history because who the hell cares? But we care because this is our history and the history of our town. So anyway, this is just a bit of background for the Harvard polo team's tradition. So people who don't know, you know, polo, you ride horses. And so they pay homage to Paul Revere's ride. Their biggest match of the year is against Princeton, because of course, Princeton has the other really good polo team. And so for one week before the big match, every single member of the polo team who's going to be playing has to carry a chicken around campus to every single class and they can't and to every meal and if any of them don't have the chicken they basically jinx the whole match and so the campus just becomes a literal shit show because you've got a bunch of chickens all over campus with these huge athletes and it's it's kind of hilarious but you know if i were on the polo team i would take very good care of my chicken because i don't want to lose Oh my God, that is so elaborate, in-depth, brilliant, next level. As a history buff, who's very aware of what Abraham Lincoln's nickname was, I love that you brought in Paul Revere. That is going to be a tough one to beat. Let's see if Ryan has appropriately jinxed Simon. Yes, I can't compete with that. I had something really corny written out. I was trying to think what's the most, not that Ivy League people are douchey, but the old saying is, an Ivy League person will either tell you within two minutes or went to an Ivy League score, they won't tell you at all. That's just how the Ivy League people are. They're very either, they don't want people to know or they want you to know right away. So it's like, listen, I'm smarter than you. Let's just start off at the baseline, uh, which is true. As a college dropout, anyone I've ever met that went to Ivy League school, they are way book smarter than me. Uh, 
I didn't know. I was going to do something about crew, but after that answer, how can I even compete? She's talking about people carrying around chickens for a week. That's an amazing tradition. As, so are you uh, just conceding? Are you conceding right now? I am. Because like, it had me a flashback in high school to learn about like having a kid. You had to carry around an egg with you for a week. And that was one of the hardest weeks of my life. I couldn't imagine having to carry around a chicken. I- I'm going to give it to her. Wow. Maria. Amazing. You shut down Simon Hunter. That's never happened. Never. It's, wow. it's, right now, the current score, Maria has taken the lead. Ryan has three points. Maria has five points. Simon has four points. Here is the grand finale. The topic is famous poker hands. First, you have to tell me how much you would like to risk. Please close your eyes. Hold up your fingers with your wager amount. All right. Arguably, the most famous hand of poker is a pair of black aces and a pair of black eights known as the dead man's hand. The hand received this famous moniker because it was allegedly the hand held by Western folk hero Wild Bill Hickok as he was shot dead from behind a poker table in 1876. The site of his death was a small town in Western South Dakota known today as a tourist attraction and gambling hub, but most famous as the name of a former HBO show, Vox Magazine, recently called one of the best TV shows of all time. And you could make a real argument, it's the best show of all time. Name this town. Maria. Deadwood. Deadwood. You risked three. You had five. You now have eight. Ryan, you are next. I also said Deadwood. You risked three. You had three. So you were at six. Simon, I know you went all in. So you were at four. You've risked four. You uh, will have eight and be tied with Maria if you have the right answer. You know I got that right answer, Chad. I love HBO. Deadwood. Deadwood is the answer. So now we have a tie. Maria. I'm 0 for 3 in overtime, so you, you should be feeling pretty good now. Matt Mitchell, <laughs> please take our contestants into sudden death. Hello, welcome to the Favorites Thursday Thunderdome Sudden Death Challenge. As always, Price is Right rules apply closest without going over. As usual, Simon will go first. And I will lose. In honor of... Maria Konnikova's childhood in Massachusetts and her prior answer without going over. What was the total distance of Paul Revere's famous ride in miles? I will go with 275 miles. I will say 110. I have no idea. Ryan, have you ever watched The Price is Right? Yes. When someone goes or you think someone might have gone over, what do you say in that situation? One dollar. You say one dollar. It was 12, it was 12 and a half miles. Shit. But I'm closer. That's all it was, was 12 miles. I've, n- I've never seen prices Right. It's Concord. It was like a time. I should have said one mile, right? Yeah. That was, it was Concord mile. to Boston. That's yeah. not a lot of miles. In honor of the Ivy League, closest to the pin here, what year? was Yale University founded? Uh, 1780. 1670. 1701, Maria takes it. Wow. It took two rounds. Took two rounds. But Maria Konnikova 
came into play. Yeah, she was the better opponent today. She honestly, you know what? She totally deserves that win. She was she more creative. She was more competitive. She had better sort of non-endemic stories. Uh, I think she completely got in Ryan McKee's head and he was well, like I was just going <laughs> to congratulate. I was just going to congratulate Simon on doing better in overtime than the English soccer team. Oh, how dare oh, you? That's how not dare you? Uh, Why would you do that to an Englishman? I had to. Come on. That was just laid out there. It was. Maria Konnikova, congratulations uh, on winning the favorites. This must be one of the highest of all accolades you've achieved in your glorious career. It's an honor. I will cherish this moment for forever. As will we all. Before we sign off, here's a word from our fearless leader, Action Network CEO, Patrick Keene. I don't know what we're yelling about. All right. This has been The Favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. My thanks to our guests, Ryan McKee and Maria Konnikova. And please check out all her books, including The Biggest Bluff and The Confidence Game. I uh, can say with all sincerity and honesty, they are highly recommended by me. As a reminder, The Volume is now on YouTube. We've got new clips from all the network shows. So subscribe to The Volume's YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. We will be back on Tuesday. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and download and listen on Spotify. Thanks for listening. Love you. 